Hello and welcome to the UC Architects episode 8, recorded on the 22nd of September 2012. I'm this week's host, Steve Goodman, and today I'm joined by Pat Richard, Serkan Varaglut, Joanne Veldus, Michael DeRoy. Uh, so, welcome to the show. Pat, it's the first time we've been on the show together, isn't it? Uh, yes, it is. Thanks for, thanks for having me. Yeah, how weird having us both on the same show at the same time. It's like Ghostbusters and crossing... Uh, <laughs> crossing the streams, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so let's hope it goes well. So I've got a, a sturdy co-host beside me then today, uh, leading us into the, the week ahead with Mech. Uh, what have you been up to anyway, Pat? Uh, still working on a link project uh, for a, a DoD contractor. And, uh, of course, getting ready to, to go down to the, the conference of the year, Mech. I'll be leaving about this time tomorrow. Have you got a long flight ahead? Uh, it's like three hours. It's not bad. I'll get, I'll get a movie in, and it's, uh, I'm in first class, so I won't I won't be near any of the the screaming kids on their way to Disney World. <laughs> so, are you looking forward to it? Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I went to uh, Mech uh, uh, when they used to have them ten years ago, and uh, was very disappointed when they stopped having them, and and very glad that the 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 product group has paid attention to those cries to to bring it back and and hopefully it lives up to its uh its namesake what was the first mech that you attended um 98 or 99 i believe uh in atlanta and uh, wow yeah it was it was very very interesting very informative and uh, as i've said uh uh, many times in, in episodes past, if you're an exchange person and uh, you get to pick where you're going for conferences throughout the years, uh, MEC is, should be at the top of your list. Um, it's essentially just like TechEd, but uh, just 100% exchange content. And uh, the who's who of the product group is is there. And, you know, Ross Smith and Scott Schnall and uh, Bharat Zunija and, uh, and all the guys that you see on the uh, the product group blog, they're all there, so uh, it's definitely worth the money. So the the first one you attended in Atlanta, was that the one where Tony Redmond was on stage? Uh, Tony Redmond's always on stage at these things. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Mac, I've not been to one, so I've, I've read about them uh, from his blog uh, and thought, wow, you know, wouldn't it be great if they brought one back? So uh, he's going to be on stage at this one as well. And, uh, and to a lot of uh, exchange heads, that's going to be pretty good then. Yes, indeed. It's always I. I really enjoy uh, listening to Tony speak because, um, you know, he does not work for Microsoft, so he's got uh, um, a view from from the outside. Uh, but he's been involved with uh, Exchange for many years, many more than I have. So he's got that uh, that experience from dealing with the product group. So he's got he's got a great. Uh, uh, a great voice on telling it like it is and what to expect and uh, the good and the bad the good and the bad yeah he doesn't mince his words does he, he he does not he's um he he can be very critical of the product group and um and greatly so i i think it's uh it's not our position to to just drink the Kool-Aid and 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 say nothing but good things he he's very critical when he needs to be and i personally think that he's responsible for some things being changed for the better well, yeah, it was only a, uh, about a year or so that he was writing about how they should bring Mech back, and they did. And maybe he wasn't directly responsible, but uh, it'd be nice to think that he had some influence on that happening. Oh, yeah, I'm sure he did. And Sirkan, uh, 
you're off to Mech tomorrow morning, aren't you? Uh, flying from Bermuda. Yes. Uh, unfortunately, it's too early. Like it's 8 a.m. that I need to go on yeah. to the plane. So my, I ordered the taxi to come up around 6. It will be a bit painful <laughs> flight for me. Uh, and we don't have a direct flight to Orlando. So I have to fly over Miami. Uh, it's going to take a while. I'll be there around midday. So I can meet with Pat and other guys who are joining from UC Architects. <coughs> but it will be fun, I'm sure. So have you had a busy week uh, behind you? Yeah, I'm still working on two exchange projects and one link project at the same time. This week was all about, you know, getting everything in order because I'll be going to Mac and after that I'll have two weeks of holiday in Orlando as well. So I'll be away from all of my clients for three weeks. So I needed to get everything sorted this week. It was a good week. Yeah. Overall, I finished up all the things that I was supposed to do. And I'm looking forward. So you're going to be winding down very slowly over the next few days then? Yeah. Uh, taking in all those sessions before you go off on on your holes? Yep. <laughs> That's what's going to happen for me. <laughs> and you've got a few weeks to soak up all that information too. Yeah. And I'm scared of getting back as well. As we all know, after a long holiday, it's terrible. The first the first Monday is like hell. So let's see what will happen. I was on holiday. Uh, well, I came back last Saturday, uh, so Sunday night. Uh, got on top of everything, ready for Monday morning. And um, by nine o'clock on Monday morning, it didn't feel like I'd been away at all. <laughs> it was just right, and that's it. Uh, couldn't even remember the holiday. <laughs> so it's back to work, and um, it was if, as if I'd never been away. Uh, but uh, but yeah, uh, that that feeling uh, when you you know it's ticking down and you're going back to work is never good, is it? Yeah, and I was looking forward for Mac for a long time now. I signed up on the first day they did put the early bird and asked my company to pay for it after a while. <laughs> and so I'm looking forward for that three week that I'm going to have. So are you doing much in Orlando after Mac? Yeah. Uh, my wife will be coming over after Mac and will probably visit you know those famous places, Universal Studios, Disney World, uh, go around, have some shopping and all those things. <laughs> it will be fun for my wife as well, so she won't be complaining. So there your holiday, you're going to be broke. <laughs> yeah, that's the, that's the worst <laughs> part. <laughs> you save up for a year just to go to Orlando. That doesn't make sense, but you know. Yeah, I'm going to have to start saving now then if there's going to be another mech, wherever it is. I'm sure it's going to be somewhere nice, even if it's not the same place. Yeah, we hope. Like, Hopefully there will be other mechs coming up. And yeah. hopefully next year and every year, if it goes like this. Yeah, that's it. Even though I'm not going, I'm really hoping it's a big, big success uh, and it, it becomes something that they really uh, consider as being valuable for Microsoft and valuable for the customers. So, you know, they'll have to bring it back year after year. And having the, the Link Conference as well uh, does show quite a big commitment to having these focused conferences as well. Uh to, to get together people who, you know, like, like ourselves, are really interested in subject uh, all in one place for a week to get proper deep dives rather than the, the snippets that you get at, at TechEd. Yeah, that's the most important thing about Mac. 
we yeah. we are all we all love exchange we all are working on it we are spending so much time about exchange at the moment it will be same for the link conference i think and also where am i going to meet you guys except you steve sorry but <laughs> <laughs> and and Joanne um, um, and Michael. Yeah, I know, but uh, uh, at least I'll get to meet. Uh, actually, half of us on the call today aren't going. Yeah, <laughs> at least I'll get to meet Pat one on one. So that's a big thing. I I think that's why uh, most of the people on the call aren't going today because every pretty yeah. much everybody that is going is already on their way there except me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, as we record. Uh, Michael and Dave are probably somewhere over the Atlantic at the moment or or just landing now. Uh, both of those checked into flights uh, about eight hours ago. So uh, hopefully they've landed safely. And uh, by the time they listen to this, uh, they'll be there as well with you guys. Uh, and Joanne. Hi, Steve. How are you? Uh, I'm fine, thanks. Also not going to Mac. So. You're, you're one of the others that are having the not going to Mac blues too. Yeah, yeah. And have you had a busy week? Yeah, pretty busy. Well, being busy with a uh, exchange and BlackBerry issue always, uh, always fun. Oh, I love yeah. those! <laughs> Just throw the BlackBerry server out of the window and replace it with ActiveSync. Um, and uh, done some research for uh, for a customer who wants to build a greenfield active directory and want to migrate uh, exchange and link to it. So yeah, pretty busy yeah. week. What sort of tools are you going to look to migrate with? Uh, ADMT and Exchange tools or something like Quest? Yeah, we're, we're in, the, in, the beginning, in the beginning of a project and we, uh, we're having a look at ADMT but also at the uh, third-party uh, products such as Quest and that kind of stuff. But yeah, customers said, yeah. I think after my after the last week, I've had a, probably just about enough of Quest tools in one form or another. <laughs> uh, but <laughs> at least I've got until Wednesday before I have to touch those again. Yeah, it's uh, always a discussion with the, with the customer because yeah, the tools aren't free and they mm. cost, cost a lot of money. But yeah, if you develop a script yourself, which can do the same, yeah, it also costs money. So, but the, yeah, yeah. that are always nice discussions to have. And uh, uh, what are you doing while, while everyone else is at Mac? Are you working just like us? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Working on uh, doing a. Uh, no, well, this week is before my holiday, so I will uh, will finish up some some things which I'm busy with, and uh, then I'm going on holiday for a week. So. Anywhere nice? No, well, and just in the Netherlands. <laughs> We've been uh, away in the beginning of this year to uh, to the uh, outside to the. Of the Netherlands, so we're just keeping it close uh, next to the door this time. Oh, cool. And Mikael, how are you? I'm fine, uh, Steve. Thanks uh, for having me here today. How are you? I'm good, thanks. I'm good. And uh, what have you been up to lately? Well, the past week I've been uh, well, uh, continuing working on the two exchange projects. I did some. Uh, which is always nice, some public folder uh, troubleshooting on 2003. Ooh. And... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> what would you say about that? It's rather you than me. And, um, well, um, 
some projects uh, went through the organization. I don't know how it works uh, over in the UK, but in the Netherlands we have a very layered organization when it comes to municipalities. And uh, we can finally yeah. uh, start uh, implementing uh, exchange and link in the, in the Greenfield situation. So uh, that's nice. That's also uh, something I'll be working on next week. Besides uh, from monitoring uh, Twitter and Facebook on uh, for everyone who's going to Mac, <laughs> watch uh, well, watch what's going on and uh, see some, if anything's news uh, new is announced uh, over there. Yeah, it, it does look like things are on the, on the very cusp of being released. I, I've seen some posts where it says we're you know we're nearly ready to release Exchange 2013. Uh, so is is the countdown on? Are we going to get uh, a, an updated yeah. beta to to play with over the next? It few was days? very nervous. Uh, it seems. Uh, will it be announced or not? Or? Uh, and I've heard there's going to be quite a few posts <laughs> over the next few days from the Exchange Team blog, but no idea what those are going to be uh, about. So it, it even for us who aren't going, there's going to be a lot to to keep an eye on. Um, Especially finding out what the hashtag's going to be, whether it's going to be the Mech is back hashtag for people that are there tweeting about the conference. Uh, that's what I'm going to assume it is. Uh, and uh, if it's not, I'm sure the uh, hashtag MS Exchange will have some some meaty stuff on as yeah. well. Yeah, Mech is back was used uh, formally for the announcement uh, messages, so I assume it's logical to, c- to continue yeah. that uh, during the event. So. Yeah, so I've got a reason to monitor Twitter over the next week. Usually when I'm busy, I don't get a chance to, to check it as often as I'd like. Uh, I think Dave tweeted me two days ago to say, how did you get on with iOS 6? Uh, you've been awfully quiet. Uh, so I've still not had to I don't know. Uh, I'm lost. My maps have, have failed now. I'm screwed. I don't, I don't hope he planned his trip uh, on site using Apple uh, Maps, because uh, that might be problematic. <laughs> Uh, I did check uh, with the iOS 6 maps to see whether you could find a hotel, and you can find it. Oh, okay. Because uh, uh, I thought that'd be great. If you can't find it, that'd be absolutely fantastic. Like everyone with an Android device is absolutely uh, lost. Uh, I've seen some great posts on that. It's, you know, uh, people on desert yeah. islands. Yeah. Uh, who'd be around Bermuda? <laughs> I would have been there, but I was. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I wonder whether you can find the Bermuda Triangle. It's absolutely a joke. <laughs> it, it's it, it definitely shows the difference of not having Steve Jobs at the helm of Apple. Uh, it's it's all about the cash, isn't it, with Apple now? That's that's the obvious thing. It's get the product out, release it, and then fix the bugs after. Who does that? What's that? What's the other company that do that with their products? I can't possibly. I can't think of that is it's not Microsoft for sure. Uh, so yeah, that's the intros done, uh, and onto the top stories this week. The biggest news since our last episode is the uh, from the Forefront team. Uh, Forefront Threat Management Gateway, formerly known as ISA, is going to be no more. Uh, that's the the biggest news, along with Forefront Protection for Exchange as well. Uh, those are some products that uh, have been dropped uh, they go into extended support but the the worst thing is it's not that they're just not bringing out a new version from the 1st of december you won't even be able to buy it uh what do people think about that i think it's a travesty um i i think with a lack of direction as to 
what Microsoft is going to do from a reverse, a reverse proxy standpoint, um, I think is leaving a lot of people in the dark. As you mentioned, we, we don't, uh, we can't get licensing after December 1st for TMG. The expected direction is that some of the TMG features will be rolled into UAG. Uh, UAG is going to continue being developed uh, and will be a standalone product, unlike it is now where it's it's actually an add-on to TMG. So the, the big question is how long between December 1st and the next version of UAG is available that supports uh, the features that we need from an exchange and, and link perspective. Um, but um, additionally, uh, you mentioned uh, forefront protection for exchange. That is uh, being eliminated, as is forefront protection for SharePoint and forefront protection for OCS and Link. So those are all going away. The, uh, the cloud service, uh, forefront online protection for exchange, will continue, and that is uh, where Microsoft would would prefer people go is is obviously to the cloud. Um, there's been a lot of discussion about what does that mean. Uh, there's no on-premises uh, forefront solution anymore, so internal mail is not scanned. Um, I think we're going to end up seeing far more third-party solutions coming out. Uh, and with Exchange 2013, it's got built-in malware scanning, but there's no edge roll. So you can still deploy Exchange 2000 Edge, but what are you going to put on that for virus protection uh, for a new solution? Well, right, and 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 Microsoft's response has been, well, it, it doesn't really matter if something, uh, you know, they would prefer you to, to use a cloud service, such as uh, Forefront Online Protection for Exchange, or FOPI, as, as a lot of people call it. Um, but from an internal mail perspective, you know, uh, sending an email to your coworker, uh, there's no scanning for that as far as antivirus. And uh, if something does get infected, there's no way to clean it out, which is even more concerning. But uh, Microsoft has basically said, look, when we came out with these products, uh, client-side solutions were nowhere near as robust as they are now. And so nowadays... If an, uh, if an infected message gets into your store and an end user then opens that message or executes an attachment that's in it, then the client side uh, solution should should clean that up. So um, there, there's some that's, validity. That's there, not a great position to be in. Though. No, no there's, there's some validity to that. And, and it is true that, you know, the, the client side stuff is a lot better. But uh, the fact that you can't go through and clean up an infected database or mailbox is 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 concerning, um, and I think the multi-engine um, architecture of uh, of forefront protection for Exchange is fabulous. I love the fact that it's fully supported by PowerShell, um, and and TMG has a lot of people up in arms about that. So um, they're they're definitely taking some heat for this. I mean, Mikael, what do you think? Well, I think um, apart from uh, the argument that moving to the cloud is the way to go, it scares the hell out of customers as far as uh, uh, what I've been heard, that uh, they remove a layer from the total protection because now it's all depending on the, the clients, especially for uh, purely on-premise uh, solutions. And yeah, if 
if there's something wrong with that client, uh, normally they would have from a uh, product from a different vendor or uh, through the multi uh, multi engine uh, antigen uh, four front uh, solution. Uh, that that would pick it up, but now they only have the client to uh, yeah to detect uh, that and also to clean it up. And well, I don't as far as I know, there's no not a very good solution to uh, like Pat said to uh, clean mailboxes uh, from uh, the client's perspective. And yeah, I don't know how to uh, how clients uh, they should. Uh, usually rewrite their uh, procedures during outbreaks and stuff because yeah it's, it's only the client uh. the 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 tmg thing is the thing that concerns me the the most really uh most of my customers do use their own antivirus vendor anyway rather than fp for exchange uh the dropping of tmg without a good replacement other than uag uh, which is you know vastly more expensive is a, a big gap uh, has anyone heard more about the pricing implications? Uh, I heard that um, we might see some more detailed information around some alternatives, including um, those on Apache, um, something to migrate to. Uh, I think uh, what we're going to see is we're going to see a front-end loading of licensing between now and December 1st, for organizations that want to make a change but want to stay with TMG for the for the near future, uh, TMG is going to stay supported for for many years to come. You just won't be able to get licenses for it anymore. So I don't think we're going to see that much of a decline um, with forward-thinking organizations, as as some people think. And how forward-thinking do they need to be? Uh, for example, if you, I don't know enough. Uh, everything about enterprise agreements but if you true up at the end of the year and your agreement is next june or july uh, that, that you need to true up what's to stop you saying you started using it back in december when you actually made the decision uh february 2013 to start using it yeah that that's a valid point um you know i i think organizations that are looking to uh to implement some new solutions in the next uh, 12 or 18 months, I think, are going to make a decision right now as far as a reverse proxy and, and let the, the rest of the cards fall where they may, uh, you know, for licensing, for exchange, or whatever. But I think for a reverse proxy, I think we're going to see definitely some more organizations getting getting it now while they can. You know, and there, there are some alternatives already out there, you know, F5, Blue Coat, um, and things like that. And, of course, F5 has made a big announcement lately that they're dropping um, – or not F5, I should say, uh, Cisco, um, which has, has done some stuff. And, of course, they're, they made a big announcement that they're going to drop their, their whole load balancing piece. Um, so I think uh, I think what we're going to see now is we're going to see more um, uh, entry-level reverse proxy solutions coming out. And, uh, and hopefully those will be able to fit the bill. Uh, Joanne, you said that uh, earlier before the call that you had uh, some thoughts on this. Yeah, I've got a discussion with this uh, yesterday with a customer on this because you know, they were planning on making some changes with uh, publishing their uh, change environment because they've now posted it behind a secure portal and now want to post it via reverse proxy and they've had a look at TMG and, and there we were 
really disappointed that uh, Microsoft uh, made this uh, decision. And uh, they're looking at uh, alternatives uh, right now. But yeah, from my point of, point of view, I, yeah. I don't know why they uh, made this uh, yeah, choice, but yeah, it's, it's not, not really smart from my point of view because yeah, I think a lot of customers, yeah, we, we advise a lot, of, a lot of customers to use the, the TMG. But yeah, after this message and there were some rumors, we uh, hold back uh, to advise TMG because we didn't know what, what Microsoft was planning to do and now when they announced yeah, they will drop it. Yeah, we're also looking at the alternatives. Uh, have you guys got some alternatives? Besides the one uh, that mentioned, I've got a customer who's well, using Apache, but yeah. I, well, I don't. Well, uh, do you think F5 are going to, in general, will be the big winners out of this with their authenticated, uh, pre-authentication bits uh, and the reverse proxy solution? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I wonder whether that's going to have some implications as well across the market for, you know, if people are going to say, right, F5 is going to be our TMG replacement. Is it going to be uh, something that's going to affect their decision? They might have perhaps been going for TMG and Kemp for a load balancer. Uh, maybe they'll just go with uh, F5 down the line. Uh, so, yeah, market-wide implications on that. I think we need to see what the licensing is going to be like for UAG as well. Um, I'm certainly not well versed in in how it's licensed, but my understanding is that uh, that TMG is licensed um, as a server and UAG is licensed uh, per seat. Um, so that definitely changes the the licensing model if they're going to keep that UAG uh, model. So it'll be interesting to see that. You know, if organizations are going to stay with with Microsoft solutions for that, uh, may I just add something? Like uh, the idea that we get, I think what we all think is Microsoft is pushing more on forefront online protection for Exchange on this matter. Uh, but I'll look at it look at it at a different angle. If you talk to clients out there, how many of them know Forefront Online Protection for Exchange? I think Microsoft is making a big mistake uh, on this, dropping it at this moment. They can drop it later on. I don't care as long as my customers, my clients who are using TMG at the moment knows that there is a solution for Forefront Online Protection for Exchange. I'm trying to keep them aware. But when you look at the whole market, they are more aware of other solutions, third parties, other than Microsoft. Like we can put in Postini or other services out there, and they are aware of them because some of the clients. Are you know, I think you're right. Actually, there's going to be customers who have bought the licenses for it and don't even know that they've got it. Yes, because they were buying enterprise licenses for Exchange. They don't even know they're paying for a, a spam solution. Yeah, that's the point like how are they going to make clients and customers aware of that they already bought the, uh, this service for their exchange but they are not using it and most of those clients will go and sign up for other services to protect their exchange and their messaging infrastructure 
And that's the biggest threat that I see on this. And they dropped it so fast. And the thing is, it's a really good solution as well. So yep. they they should make more of it. Uh, and when you sign up for it, the, the customer gets from Microsoft uh, a bit of a project manager to, to do the implementation. They get a bit of uh, remote training on it. It's It's not even as if it's just something that they get like Office 365 where it's just, oh, there you go. Do, do with it what you want. They even get support from Microsoft to implement it, uh, get it in produ- into production, uh, and and talk to them about best practices. And it's something that they don't even know that they're already paying for. Sometimes. Yeah, that's the point that I want to get into, though. Like, you don't post a blog post out there and say we are dropping TMG. First, talk to your third parties, talk to your clients, talk, tell them that what the solution is. You are coming out and saying, well, we are dropping TMG. What's going to happen? And everyone has a suspicion. Like, they don't know what's going to happen. There are solutions. Microsoft has solutions. And I believe that Microsoft needs to make a better communication on this to tell people that they have solutions. And that's the part that scares the clients out there at the moment. That's why... I think we are talking on this matter at this moment. One thing to keep in mind from a, uh, a FOPI uh, perspective is that the FOPI service does queue your mail if you have an outage. So if you suddenly have somebody with a backhoe dig up your fiber line and you're offline for a day, uh, FOPI will queue that mail up in their data center until you have a connection again and then go ahead and send it to your environment. So there is that added feature of using their service versus um, an on-premises service. But I certainly think that uh, removing the on-premises solution from the portfolio is is a bad idea without a good um, apples-to-apples replacement, even if it's from a third party. Yeah, it certainly opens up the, the market to, to try and bring something in at, at that lower angle, uh, that lower cost uh, that we talked about earlier. Uh, I know with my load balancer appliance, uh, I've been thinking a lot about that lately, uh, especially with Exchange 2013 and making it a bit more flexible for things like Link. Um been trying to put together some open source solutions. And one thing that I've had a look at in the past and been revisiting is uh, an open source solution called Nginx, which uh is a, a lightweight web server and it's also a good reverse proxy and it does some some fairly good things like use like being able to do the equivalent of what you can do in TMG uh where you get a listener and then you might have a, a SAN certificate or a wildcard certificate assigned to it and then you can publish different websites uh based on the name that they've got and then publish different paths for them. And although something I release probably won't be supporting pre-authentication it, it might be good enough for small sort of solutions uh, and, uh, and combining that with a, an update to the load balancer putting in uh, some failover so you can have a number of virtual appliances might be a good free solution uh, uh, and I hope to have a, a first release of that uh, within about you know six to eight weeks tops uh, I'm waiting for that solution <laughs> because the clients that I'm going to do exchange projects, now all of that is changed. When you throw out TMG from the equation, 
we need a solution and I'm looking for that solution that you're gonna put out there and that's probably make happy a lot of people out there and I'm really looking forward to it. Well all this is, is there and reasonably easy to put together especially if you've got a, a little bit of Linux skills that you, you can transfer across or you know if you've ever configured Apache uh, you, you're going to be familiar with the config uh, format uh, of, of these so they're not they're not rocket science to put together and there's usually good examples of how to do it what I want to what I, I'm all I'm doing is wrapping that up and then putting a web GUI that writes the config files. That's all I've done with the, the HA proxy stuff. All the stuff that does all the, the cool bits for the load balancing uh, is, is by the, the these guys that write the open source software. And they're the guys that are building these products which are uh, in use, load balancing some of the, the biggest websites on the planet at the moment. Uh, wrapping that up into a form that someone can just deploy, boot up, go to a web interface, and just like your, your average load balancer or, or TMG, you can go in through a GUI and just get it configured quickly. Uh, and the the mistake I probably made with the, the HA proxy bits, uh, stuff I wrapped up as an appliance before, was trying to make it a little bit too simplistic. And the next version, I want to make sure you can publish whatever ports you want and pick between it being... Uh, probably layer four uh, or a reverse proxy. Uh, I, I'm not going to go down the whole layer seven route because I don't know enough to be able to release something that's amazing. Uh, so, so that's what I'm going to do. And of course, I'll be talking about that in a few weeks' time uh, when I've actually got something worth releasing. Uh, I, unless anyone else has got anything else to say about TMG and FPE, being dropped and uh, the, the sad case that that is, uh, then we probably should move on to, to happier subjects. Uh, we've mentioned mech uh, already today, uh, but we should mention that uh, a few of us will be there. Uh, Pat and Sir Ken, who are with us today, are going to be at mech for the next week, uh, along with Michael Van Horenbeek and Dave Stork, uh, who, as I mentioned, uh, are both on their way there at the moment. And you'll be able to see them uh, around the place as well, won't you? Isn't that right, Pat? Yeah, and uh, we we don't want to forget the fastest talking ma man in the world, uh, John Cook, will be there of as course, well. Of course, yes. And uh, yes, we'll be wearing our snazzy black, uh, the UC Architects uh, uh, shirt, so we'll be easy to spot. Um, and a couple of uh, opportunities where some of us will be available for a meet and greet. Um, there is an MVP booth in the Expo Center, and they have something there called the Wall of Fame, and some of us will be there, so stop by and and say hi and give us uh, your thoughts on the podcast and some subjects that you'd like us to cover, and we'll, we'll certainly take those. Uh, but definitely uh, some some fabulous content coming our way. Um, you know, the the first half of first half of the week uh, with lots of uh, uh, information about both Exchange uh, 2010 and 2013. Uh, you name it, uh, across the gamut, we uh, certainly are going to have some sessions. Um, available um, for to uh, for you to attend and uh, and I'm looking forward to some of the high availability stuff and a lot of the unified messaging stuff uh, as I shift some of my focus towards link um, so definitely uh, definitely looking forward to that uh, one thing I was reading about uh, was uh, on Tony Redmond's uh, one of his websites was uh, making it clear that this is a good opportunity to ask all those questions of the product team that you want to want to find out, and making sure that 
you ask the right questions as well in the right way and approach and if you've got a problem approaching the product teams in a friendly manner offer to buy them a coffee uh, and uh, and you're much more likely to to get a good detailed answer to, to the sort of questions that you've got too uh, and the, there's also going to be another opportunity with these elite days at mech as well yeah definitely I was going to say, yes, uh, Microsoft has announced um, the elite meetings. And what this allows you to do is if you would like to sit down in one-on-one -on -one meetings with uh, core engineers from uh, the product group and talk to them about any particular topic within Exchange. Let's say you're, you're thinking about making a migration to uh, Exchange 2013 and you really want to have... Um, kind of a in, in the weeds discussion about uh, high availability or disaster recovery. Uh, you can set up uh, these elite meetings, and what they amount to is you get three 60-minute sessions with engineers from the product group who are dedicated to the topic that you are wanting to discuss. So, um, you know, if you want to talk about HA, they're going to find somebody who... Um, is very well versed in HA if it's not the the person who owns that that piece of the product, but uh, de uh, definitely somebody who who's very knowledgeable. And they will sit down and and you've got free reign to discuss whatever you need to about that topic. Uh, there is a cost for this uh, for the three uh, sixty minute sessions. It is a thousand dollars, and um, but you get dedicated time with with the product group, and I, I think you really can't go wrong with with something like that. It can it can often be difficult to kind of grab somebody uh, and pull them aside and 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 get into the very detail that you need to in order to discuss something when you're in a session uh, environment like um, like TechEd or Mac or whatever. Um, so now you get to sit down at a prearranged time with with a dedicated person and really really discuss this. Yeah, and uh, I would like to add that if you are looking for solutions for your environment, for your exchange infrastructure, and if you have any questions or anything at a design level that you want to learn about the exchange, I think that's the best opportunity you can get during this event. As Pat mentioned here, uh, you won't have that opportunity during TechEd or any other conference out there. During the Exchange Conference, you are one-on-one -on -one with the Exchange team. You can ask any question, you can talk to them, and you will have the opportunity to express yourself on the product. And I think that's a great opportunity for every uh, company that's using Exchange. And if they have questions, if they did do the projects for Exchange 2010 or Office 365, or if they are planning to migrate to Exchange 2013, I think it's a great opportunity for everyone, and it will be great if you sign up for it. Yeah, so those elite days, I believe you'll be able to sign up when you're at Mech. Uh, you don't have to. You don't have to, to book them in advance. Is that right? Uh, it's my understanding that they're they're prioritized uh, for first come first serve. Uh, I've not heard as to if if or how many people have signed up for it. But if you do want to do it, definitely get it in uh, while you can, and you can register for those right on the mechasback.com website. 
but for the rest of us, uh, there's still going to be the opportunities to ask the, the product group. Uh, while, while you guys have been talking, I pulled up Tony Redmond's uh, blog on Windows IT Pro and his uh, starter sort of questions that he's suggesting people uh, think about uh, are talking to the product teams about uh, the deployment from uh, uh, the deployment of Exchange 2013 into an existing organization containing Exchange 2007 and 2010 servers and what sort of roles to introduce first. And one of what seems to be his bugbears, uh, the content uh, in the in the Exchange admin console, they've dropped context-sensitive menus and the PowerShell learning tools. Uh, two things that he's keen on, um, in particular those PowerShell learning tools are something that I wouldn't mind knowing that people are hassling the product team about. Uh, those PowerShell learning tools are where uh, when you're about to run a command, you can see the command that you were going to run. So you go into the GUI, change some settings, and you press a button in the bottom left-hand corner, and it tells you the PowerShell command to do it. That's all gone from uh, the Exchange Admin Console, and that's a pity really, because uh, as he mentioned, there's 200 new commandlets, and you're not going to be able to, to find out all about them uh, unless you go through them or you've got a learning tool like that. And a learning tool like that makes it really easy to find that out. Uh, what features won't be supported by OWA? That's the question with every Exchange release, isn't it? Uh, OWA from 2007 onwards always misses out features in the first version and then you get the proper version in Service Pack 1. So finding out from the product team what is going to be missing, what's not going to be missing. And if you do find out, that make sure you blog about it as well uh, and site mailboxes uh, finding out a little bit more about those uh, but uh, you might not need to wait to find out a little bit more because Sir Khan was going to talk to us about site mailboxes because he's been doing a little bit of uh, research over the last few weeks on them yep uh, I've, I've been testing site mailboxes with SharePoint 2013 and I must tell the truth it's really a good idea. I don't believe that it was a new idea. We had this idea for a while. Everyone was thinking how we can collaborate SharePoint with Exchange properly. Because we all know that those rumors about dropping public folders for ages now, and we all and Microsoft was pushing on using SharePoint on it, but there wasn't any integration well, there were a few integrations, but there wasn't a proper integration where you can actually collaborate with your team on Outlook. And now it seems like Microsoft has finally uh, get the idea of using Outlook Office 13 and... Sorry, Office 15. And collaborating all of them into a single interface where you can get all this information. I did put a blog post unfortunately in Turkish which is a series of three uh, posts on site mailboxes showing how it works, how you can install it and how you can actually troubleshoot it. Uh, the good thing about site mailboxes is now you have as I said, the collaboration with SharePoint. Uh, it's bringing all the information about the document libraries that you have for a team mailbox on uh, your Outlook so you can see the documents, at least not the full document because 
preview is not in there but you can see the uh, information about the document itself who changed it who uploaded it what's the size and what the document is about and you can forward it you can look into it you can open it up you can uh, also make changes after opening it and that will be reflected to your outlook as well and it's a great tool at the moment on outlook uh, the new outlook that we're going to be using in a short time and i believe it's a great feature and so from a, an end user perspective can you just run through uh, imagining someone in a business not not uh, an exchange admin like us how would they uh, how would they go about using this? What would be the use case that would make them go, wow, this is the tool I've been waiting for? Yep, of course. Uh, here's the issue. Let's say you are working for IT, as we all are, and you are doing an exchange project. And you opened up a project site for exchange on SharePoint, where you put all the information and documents for exchange migration from 2000 to 2013. Or... Maybe you are doing 2003 to 2010 and you are putting all the documents up there and you want to see it in a single interface where you use, where you spend most of your time, which is Outlook at the moment. And you will have a mailbox in Outlook. You will see it as, you will see your mailbox, you will see separate mailboxes and you will see your Exchange 2013 migration mailbox in there. And in that mailbox, you will have a special folder, which is called Documents, which exactly, uh, which actually uh, integrated into SharePoint and brings the information, which synchronizes the information from SharePoint and brings the, all the metadata about the documents in the uh, project site. And you will be able to see it, who makes the changes and who is doing uh any design changes or any document changes. Also, it has a mailbox, so you can send emails to that group. You will be able to see it through the inbox. You will be able to create separate folders under that e mailbox, and you will be able to reach every single email through that information. Uh, if you remember, with 2010, uh, we had the option, which is called Mailbox Automapping. And we probably all know it. And if you had a full permission on a mailbox, Outlook 2010 was opening up with that mailbox automatically. And with respect to you had the options to change it, that uh, option as well. And else you had to go to uh, attributes on the Active Directory and change it. With well, yeah, in Service Pack 2, they did uh, give you the option. On that, yeah. So the site mailbox, site mailbox that, is using you've the, got the option to automatically map yep. that. Or? With the schema changes, you have this uh, new attribute called MS Exchange Team Mailbox Show in Client List, where you will be able to manage all the site mailboxes for a user, and it's a, it's it's an attribute just like full mailbox permission. Uh, so you will be able to. Change if user doesn't want to see it. If user wants to see it, you will be able to put the DN uh, information in there, and you will be able to get it. The good thing about okay, a question I've got about that then is, 
if you're an end user yes. and you want to discover what sites you've got access to in SharePoint, that's fairly easy. You go to the SharePoint site and you can see what you've been given permission to. Uh, is there a good way of users discovering site mailboxes that they have access to through Outlook? Uh, no. <laughs> the answer is oh, no. Okay. Uh, I've not played with this okay. feature. The the idea <laughs> that, the that wasn't a loaded question. The idea which m- m- uh, Microsoft came up with, uh, Exchange Team or SharePoint Team or Office Team. I don't know who came up with this idea or who did put the properties in there. But the idea is there's this attribute, and you know it is integrated with SharePoint. The mailbox is on Exchange Server, so uh, you need to have an access to that ma- to this mailbox. You have the option to see if you have permissions or not. Uh, SharePoint is using the default permissions, default groups like owner groups or uh, member groups, uh, to set these permissions so you can access these mailboxes. It's more than actually uh, manage for the management. It's more than managing through Exchange than SharePoint. You have to manage it actually on SharePoint. Uh, this also includes like site closures or deletions or like setting up synchronization and all that information. Uh, so when you look at it, it depends on SharePoint more than Exchange itself. So what what do you need to get in place for these site mailboxes? Is there a, is it just Exchange and SharePoint, and does it all start working together, or is there a lot of prereqs and uh, bits and pieces you need to configure for, for synchronization first? Uh, the idea is you need 2013 uh, for SharePoint for Exchange, and also for Office you need the latest version, Office 15, uh, right. and. If you have all these products that are coming out, if you are setting up a new infrastructure or if you are migrating into that infrastructure, you will have these options under your hand and you will be able to use it. Uh, One of the things which is mentioned on the Exchange Team blog is retention policies. We all know that retention policies are uh, set per mailbox. But site mailboxes are different. You can't set a retention policies. As soon as you try to do it, which I tried, uh, you will see that you are getting, you will be getting an error that you will be only able to manage it through the SharePoint itself. So you need to manage your uh, retention policies from SharePoint for that mailbox. Uh, One other thing that I want to mention is I had this weird error like if you are building a demo lab please keep in mind uh, I'm not sure I I'm trying to get an answer for it because the product is not available at the moment and it's not an RTM version I don't know how it's going to work but uh, replication issues uh, one of the things that I realized while building a sale site mailboxes is if you will build a site mailbox and if you have a DAG on exchange and if you have a replication problem, like if one of the uh, servers is down, you will probably get an alert saying the replication will not occur. Uh, 
I'm not 100% sure what the design here is, but overall, what I can say is this is a perfect solution for teams to share information, to get in contact with the team itself, and also to see the documents and to have a full integration with the SharePoint. Soon, I believe, we will stop using public folders eventually. Uh, Microsoft is probably thinking of this as well. Even though on 2013 we have a different structure for public folders, uh, we will see more clients using SharePoint to store their documents or using site mailboxes for a solution. So I believe it will be a great solution for everyone out there. So uh, I believe, uh, and I'm not 100% sure on this, so don't uh, don't go mad at me if I'm wrong, you can try out these features from the end user perspective with the Office 365 Preview, which brings together pre-configured in the cloud Office uh 2013 product suites so you've got the, the end user client you've got link you've got sharepoint and you've got exchange uh, all on the, the new versions so that would be my first point of call to see whether it's a feature you actually think will be great for your organization before you go ahead and uh, and spend a few days configuring in the lab uh would you would you agree sir ken yes have a play with it in office 365 preview first I, to see whether it's worth setting i absolutely up. agree you can go and try it now uh, all of them is available all these features are available and you will not regret moving to 2013 site mailboxes and i believe that it's a it's the proper way of uh, integrating teams working on a project or integrating SharePoint with Exchange and I don't think that will be a problem for anyone and if you have the option to try 365 at this moment, if you haven't signed up sign up now, try it and see it. And the next topic today is uh, TechEd uh, New Zealand and Australia which happened over the the, the last few weeks and uh, none of us on, uh, on the show today have been uh, but even if you haven't been, there's a, a lot of great stuff there. And for uh, Joanne uh, and Mikael and myself who aren't going to Mech, uh, and anyone else who, who isn't going and wants some great uh, 2013 content, uh, there's a lot of great topics up on there. Uh, the, uh, if I just have a quick look in my downloads folder, the ones I personally downloaded are uh, Exchange Server 2013 Architecture Deep Dive, uh, Exchange Server 2013 Deployment and Coexistence, the High Availability and Site Resilience, and I've also downloaded some around what's new in uh, Windows Server 2012 and uh, Orchestrator. Uh, and they're, they're, these are, are great. They're not the sessions from the the US and Europe ones earlier in the year. It's all the, the sort of 2013 content. Uh, I don't know whether uh, there's going to be... Uh, some of that repeated next week at Mech, but uh, it's it's more than just snippets of information. There's some real deep stuff that's good to sit through. I know I've had them on uh, a few afternoons this week. Uh, I think, Joanne, you, you were saying earlier that you've had uh, a look at some of these as well. Is it the just the exchange ones that you've downloaded so far? Yeah, yeah. I, I, this time I only had time to look at uh, just one session from, from Scott about your architecture and it was really uh, 
interesting because it gives you know, a nice overview of how it was in the previous and how it is now in the, in the new exchange version. And I always like the presentations of us because they're always um, yeah, always very nice to watch and very interesting. Yeah, uh, Scott's uh, are some of my favourite as well, uh, along with Ross Smith the fourth. And yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah Scott's always someone some, someone who talks from yeah the past exchange 2003, 2007, 2010, and then. Uh, and gives an overview of what has changed in the last couple of years uh, to the product and what this means for the product, such as, you know, again, the IOPS, etc. And yeah, yeah I think all that nice thing. Do you see. watch the same one as me where they said that actually, although they're saying it's, I think, 96% re reduction yeah, in IOPS from 2003, it's yeah. actually 99 point something uh, yeah, in yeah. some of their tests. Yeah, uh, it's a nice graphic. And they joked. They, they joked about how they'll actually be giving you IOPS back uh, in the next version, and it's almost that. It's it's that big a reduction between 2003 uh, and 2013. And it's not such a big story because you you can't go right. We're on 2003. Let's move to 2013 just like that because 2007 is the version you can move from. But it's it's still a, that's still a massive achievement. Uh, gone are the days uh, when uh, you were talking about getting high spindle count. Now it's working out how many users you can fit into to the, the slower disks uh, and more so about making sure that you don't put too much risk on those massive disks as well. Uh, that's a story that's certainly going to continue with, with those massive reduction in IOPS. Uh, yeah. I, I haven't had a look at the 2013 uh, uh, bits yet though. I haven't look, had a look at those videos but there's there's going to be some really good information. Yeah, it gives you a quick overview of what has changed in the product, and it's really nice if you can't uh, attend the the the, the tech at, um, yeah sessions because yeah sometimes they are yeah on the other other end of the world in this case because uh, yeah Australia New Zealand is you know, pretty far away from here. And uh, yeah, it's a nice option that you can can uh, can view the the movies uh, afterwards. I'm really cu curious if they uh, will do the same for the Mac event. But yeah, I think there. I've been I've been assuming that they wouldn't, um, but uh, and that's a good assumption to to work on. Because uh, if you assume they're not going to, then it's only going to be a bonus if they do. Uh, but I really hope that they do. Yeah. The, yeah. the good thing about watching these sessions is. It, is you can set it up yourself. You can go through all these features, and uh, and like I think all of the contributors to, to the podcast, we we do this. We set it up. We try and understand under the hood of the product as much as we can, uh, especially when it's new features. Uh, but it's it's really good to hear Microsoft's view on what those features are and what it's really intended to do. Why they made that design decision? Yeah, yeah, that, that's always nice right. to hear because when you when you read the TechNet, uh, TechNet. Um, documents. Yeah, yeah you see, yeah, they changed it. Well, nice, but and then you hear it from from Scott. What's um, yeah, what's there? You get all the background. Yeah, why they yeah why they changed it and what's yeah what's the advantage of it and yeah then then yeah. you you may, sometimes you get yeah ah okay that's that's why they changed it yeah 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 that's an option to do. Uh, yeah, I re I re really really like uh, those sessions. Yeah, but. 
if I might jump in a bit. Yeah, what su surprises, surprises me is the speed nowadays they put all these presentations online right after the events. But it also, um, perhaps I'm a bit skeptical, it also worries me because um, doesn't that decline the value of those events? Because right after the event, the sessions and the slides and everything else is being put online. So, But how do you watch them? I, I I've struggled to watch one in the, the last week. Uh, that you know, I, I can't spend my evenings watching these videos as much as I'd like to put them on the big TV. Uh, my wife won't let me, uh, and sticking it on in the background while I'm working from home is, is is all right. But I'm not being able to take it in because I'm just hearing the odd snippet and I'm to pause it uh, every so often. So yeah, one in a week. Uh, uh, the value is being able to have that time where you can focus solely on it. And then when you've got questions directly after, then you, you've got people around that you can ask those questions so you can discuss it. And there's going to be a lot of conversations that go on about the topics you've just heard where you have an idea and you talk to someone else about that idea and, uh, and go from there. And you've got that time with a few beers afterwards to let it soak in. Yeah, what I meant by value was uh, you, you know, for those paid events, uh, you pay for those sessions. But those sessions are put online after the event for free. So yeah. yeah, okay, but during the live so, so the event is becoming more a networking uh, kind of thing, and also an opportunity to ask questions directly at the stand of the of the product uh, team or the the other vendors participating in the event. Yeah, but what but the advantage of looking at the live sessions, I think, is that you can jump in directly and ask the presenter. The questions that you have, which we don't have when looking at the recordings. Well, that's always a bit tricky with this pre-release uh, stuff because most of the time, at least in my experience, is that questions are most of the times answered with uh, that's still on the NDA or we can't disclose this information or indetermined. <laughs> or <laughs> yeah, I've heard the same things. Uh, but that's it's evil answer. <laughs> It, it's about having that time to focus on those topics, isn't it, though? So yeah. rather than having to do it on your, your weekends when you want to be spending time with your family or friends. Uh, and if uh, it might be different for others, but my, it costs more for my company uh, to not send me to a customer than it does to send me to, to one of these events. And if I said, I, you know, I, I want to have three or four days to just sit and watch through these videos, soak it all up, uh, even though it's spread over a few weeks, uh, then they might as well send me to the event in the first place. <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah, that's also yeah. I think it yeah, you can can look at it from from two sides, and yeah, I think. But yeah, let, let's not complain oh, about it. It's a good no, thing no, we no. want them to do it. Not complaining, because most no, of the time you, you the, the only complaint I have is that, and they only uh, in the past they um, they put it on uh, several formats. Uh, yeah. Now they just put it in one format, which makes it uh, more work to convert it yeah. to uh, watching so your mobile devices. Yeah. That's it. So if you're downloading those videos and you want it on your iDevice, uh, if you if you don't get lost using it, then you want Handbrake, which is, uh, that's the tool I use anyway. Uh, that's a that's a free download from a, I think it's a French website. Yeah. Uh, that can convert between various different formats because the download 
is is just a Windows Media video. Yeah. And don't get me wrong, Steve, I'm not uh, not complaining because the number one question uh, right after the event is always uh, are these slides uh, being made public after the event? So now it's a sort of default uh, thing. Yeah, <laughs> and there's, there's some really good content. And not just on Exchange as well. Uh, I think all the these add-ons like Orchestrator uh, and Windows Server 2012. And don't forget the link uh, sessions. Oh, yeah, the link sessions as well. But it's uh, it's all the, the things around the, the new versions of the Windows Server. Uh, the, uh, what, whatever you work in, you, you've got to understand uh, and, and get, get up on at some point. Because even if you don't want to understand it, in depth, uh, sitting through an hour on the, the new version of of, uh, of Windows Server, uh, what you know improvements to Hyper-V is only going to be useful at some point because you, even if you're purely Exchange and Link, then you're going to come across it at some point. Uh, and those downloads uh, are worth pointing to one side. And if you do end up downloading twenty or so sessions, uh, then Pat uh, is going to put put up a link on the UC Architects website, along with this show, uh, as he's got a PowerShell script on his site to bulk process those videos, uh, so you can get them uh, in quickly uh, and ready to watch on your, your iPad or your iPhone on a, the, the train to work or, or whatever you do when you're watching them. And that's probably about it on those sessions. So they're on Channel 9. We'll put the link up for those as well. Uh, another... Uh, I think then the Exchange link in Office 365 news this week is uh, some changes to Office 365 rules quotas. Uh, that's that's something you know a little bit about, Joanne. Yeah, uh, Microsoft uh, did announce this week that they uh, give tenant admins uh, the uh, the option to increase the inbox inbox rules quota. Um, well, that's um, yeah, might on first sight might not be uh, yeah very big news, but yeah, um, some users uh, need to uh, yeah want to have more uh, inbox rules, which exceed the uh, the default side of uh, 46 KB of rules quota, and uh, now you can increase it um, using PowerShell, so you can't do it via. Uh, via the, the management console, but you need to do it via the PowerShell. And yeah, this is uh, an interesting step. Um, in Office 365, you you see some Microsoft sometimes listens to users uh, for Office 365 and, and makes changes that uh, a lot of uh, people ask for. I think yeah. that's the big takeaway from that, isn't it? That it's, it's the latest in uh, a growing line where Microsoft are actually listening to customer feedback. So we had uh, Dersync filtering a little while ago uh, in Office 365 Preview and Exchange 2013, Modern Public Folders, which is is going to be in some way uh, because of Office 365, because you can't have public folders in their old form in Office 365, but public folders are going to be supported in the future. Uh, and these th this might be a little thing, but it's, it's an indication that Microsoft are, are being able to uh, increase the flexibility uh, that the cloud-based product has uh, to give, uh, as time goes on, more and more good reasons uh, for, for organizations that are considering it to be able to move to it. Yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a simple change, but yeah, for some companies, yeah, this was a showstopper 
although I uh, haven't found a company uh, where this one uh, was a showstopper for, but yeah, for example, we had a customer who was, who was active syncing uh, a shared mailbox with uh, more than 50 devices. Yeah. In Exchange 2010, the default limit is 10, but on your on-premise environment, you can change it easily. But in OS365, yeah, you, you can't change the limit. And when you're uh, reading on the Office 365 fora, and several people are complaining about it. Yeah, that are, yeah, are simple things, but yeah, which have a lot of impact uh, on companies. So yeah, you, you, I think it's pretty positive that Microsoft uh, makes this. Yeah, although it looks like small changes to their uh, host environment, which makes it a lot of easier for us to to, to sell the Office 365 but also uh, convince customers, yeah, Microsoft is really listening to you. Um, if you want things in, in Office 365, if it's reasonable, we will implement it maybe in the future. So, yeah, I'm pretty happy with it. And the flip side of that is to, to make sure that before you, you try and get the go-ahead for a move to Office 365, that you consider the, the limitations uh, and do the, the due diligence to make sure that you know it's it's going to be a go up. You don't want to find out as you start migrating users across that that's a showstopper. Uh, if you've got the chance, especially for a large organization, to request things like increasing those active sync limits up front or whatever feature it is that's, that is the showstopper, uh, yeah. then you, you, you've got a better chance if you're already halfway down the road yeah. then you've already made your, t your decision if, if it's going to uh, cost Microsoft a, a lot if you don't move and you were just on the, the edge of doing it then you might have a little bit more leverage. So it's making sure you understand those service descriptions, I guess, uh, before yeah. you, you go down that route. Yeah, because, we, um, well, I don't know how it's in the UK, but what we see some customers think yeah, it's really easy to move to, move to, the, office, to the cloud, to, to Office 365. But a lot of companies don't know the limits which it has, which can really impact their business. Simple things as mail relaying or let applications relay via your Exchange uh, server to send uh, messages to the outside world. Yeah, you, you can arrange it in Office 365, but yeah, you need to have some other solutions in place to let it work because yeah, not all uh, applications or devices will uh, have the option to uh, send via via TLS, which is required. Yeah. Uh, and I, I think uh, it's also where you, you need to have people on board that know Exchange or Link or SharePoint pretty well yeah. for your project. Uh, yeah, and SharePoint is the, big, the biggest, biggest advantage, I think, for the biggest. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, because there's a, a, lot of, a lot of different people coming from different backgrounds who are doing Office 365 now but don't necessarily know Exchange. Uh, or don't necessarily know SharePoint or Link very well. Yeah. Uh, identity management providers are, are one that are, uh, provide a, a key piece and often can do the, the whole solution, but they might miss out important things like that. Uh, so it's making sure that you do have the right skills either from outside, and it might be bringing together a number of different vendors or uh, or finding a, someone that does have really good exchange people, really good Link people, really good identity management people, really good people uh, for that project, not just someone that's 
the Office 365 Xbox, unless I suppose they're an Office 365 MVP, uh, in which case they, they probably have a very good understanding of, of all three uh, topics. Uh, and that, that's one thing that you see Office 365 MVP. And it's uh, that the more I, I think about uh, about what they must have to to know to to be recognised as an expert in that, they they've got to have a very good uh, jack of all trades, master of all those trades sort of skill sets. Uh, it's, it's not just that they're trying to move people to to a, a, an off-premise solution. Yeah, it's pretty hard, sorry. Yeah, it's the people that need to know or have knowledge about three products instead of yeah the separate ones or well well it are yeah it are more uh, than three when you when you uh, include uh, identity management but yeah SharePoint is yeah it's pretty hard yeah as I'm a, a link exchange man yeah and I know the, I, I know I know how to create a document library but yeah sometimes and I we're gonna in probably. SharePoint oh, uh, and we're probably going to be talking more about SharePoint uh, over the next year. I could could, could envisage us having a, a bit of SharePoint infrastructure as a, a regular topic um, a few months from now, uh, as uh, we're going to need to understand it a, a bit better. With things like Circum was on about earlier, like site mailboxes, uh, we, we, we've been on the fringes of it uh, for, for things like synchronizing AD, contact photos, those kind of implementations. Uh, but a lot of us on the UC side don't get too... Uh, in depth on SharePoint, uh, and only have that real you know, high level understanding where when where we don't know as much as people who are pretty much developers uh, and know SharePoint inside out. Uh, but we do come from a little bit of a developer background anyway, uh, as I think most admins do, uh, especially with PowerShell scripting, which is uh, very basic .NET programming in, in a way, being one of the the key skills that we've got. Uh, and that, that probably brings us on to our last topic for the day, which is uh, talking about PowerShell scripts uh, with Pat. Uh, Pat has uh, been working on uh, numerous scripts lately, uh, and you're only going to be mentioning a few of them today. Uh, not even my favorite, uh, one of your most recent ones uh, for signing scripts. Uh, you're going to talk about some of your link uh, scripts that you've written, Pat? Yeah, so uh, as we've mentioned uh, previously on the episodes, if you have a question, you can post on our Facebook or LinkedIn or whatever. And this one came in uh, via a LinkedIn group. And somebody wanted to know if it was possible to automatically assign uh, a link policy to a user based on Active Directory group membership. And this is not a built-in feature in Link. Of course, you... Um, you can assign uh, a policy to a user via the, the link server control panel or via the link management shell, uh, but there's no AD group interaction there. So what I did was I wrote a script called Grant CS Policy by AD Group, and what it does is every four hours it enumerates the membership of uh, a defined Active Directory group and then applies a link policy to each member. And, and it will include uh, users in nested groups of that AD group. So let's say you want to assign a voice policy uh, to everybody in, in a specific AD group. You just add those members uh, to the AD group, and then within four hours, um, the script will fire, uh, go through everybody 
in uh, specifically or nested in the group and uh, assign that policy accordingly. Um, and it's it's actually pretty straightforward. Uh, and I was I was co- quite surprised by the uh, by the response by it. I didn't think it was going to be that popular, but uh, a lot of people have been looking for this. So um, that we'll put a link up to the summary uh, on the summary site uh, for this. But you can essentially define just about any kind of policy in Link, whether it's an external access policy, a voice policy, a conferencing policy, whatever you want. Um, and uh, it does have an install mode, so it automatically creates the uh, uh, the scheduled task. Uh, it's pretty straightforward. You just uh, define uh, uh, the Active Directory group name, uh, the policy name that you want to apply, and what kind of policy it is. The other uh, script that I wanted to talk about um, is uh, a pretty popular script called Get CS Connections. And what this script does is uh, depending on the uh, the parameters that you feed it, it will uh, look at a front-end pool, enumerate all of the connections to all of the front-end servers in that pool, and then give you an output of uh, with a vast amount of information, including uh, the number of connections, uh, how those connections break down from a load-balancing perspective across your front-end servers, uh, the different client versions, uh, that are connected and the number of connections per client version. Uh, you can also target a specific server just to see how that server is uh, performing, as well as look at individual um, uh, bits of information for specific users. So if you wanted to see you know, how uh, Bob Smith is connecting, it'll tell you what server he's connected to, uh, how many connections he has, and list every client version that he's He's connecting with. Um, one of the one of the things I've added recently is the ability to uh, look at show me all the connections for uh, a specific client versions. Uh, so I had a client that wanted to know, hey, tell us how many people are still connecting with the communicator client instead of the link client, and uh, so I added that in there and was able to um, you know quickly uh, bring up that information and show. You know, here's all the uh, the communicator connections, or the Mac connections, or the mobile connections, or whatever the case may be. So, wow. um, yeah, it's been it's been pretty popular, and um, it was. I actually uh, I have to say that that uh, that particular script I started with a script that was written by somebody from Microsoft, and I kind of uh, went off and uh, on a tangent and uh, and kind of added a bunch of stuff to it. It was more of a uh, a proof of concept to see how to pull data out of SQL, which I had never done before from a, a PowerShell perspective, and it just ballooned into this great big uh, 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 script that uh, that I really enjoy working on. <laughs> and it's also good to see that uh, uh, people's questions to to us on the, the UC Architects sites, uh, Facebook and LinkedIn, are actually uh, bringing out good ideas for new scripts. Yeah, and and it's good for us and good for the listeners. A- absolutely, and I've actually. Um, uh, I've actually identified a couple of bugs courtesy of, of some people that uh, that saw some weird behavior uh, in their environment that I the scripts didn't necessarily plan for, and I was able to work with those people and uh, and resolve them, and as a result came out with a better script with more features in it. Well, thank you for that. And all those links are going to be uh, up on the, the site uh, alongside all the other links from the show that, that talk about uh, the various topics we went through today. Uh, but that's about it for the show today. Uh, and I'd like to thank 
Pat, uh, Ken, Joanne, Michael, uh, for joining us. Uh, very much appreciated for your time. Uh, and enjoy Mech, Pat, and Sirkan. I really do hope you have a good time. Uh, and uh, like many of us, I'll be watching uh, to see if there's a, a Mech is back or a special uh, hashtag for that. I'm assuming the hashtag's going to be Mech is back. Uh, but we'll also be tweeting while we're there uh, via at the UC Architects and uh, more than likely posting uh, things on Facebook as well. Uh, you'll find uh, us online, of course, at www.theucarchitects.com and in person as well. Uh, so look out for the black t-shirts at Mech if you're there uh, with the hashtag UC Architects. And if you're looking for any of the chaps that are going, uh, which is Pat, John, Sirkan, uh, Michael, Van Horenbeek, and Dave Stork, uh, then uh, just pop out a, a tweet to either at the UC Architects or hashtag the UC Architects, and uh, uh, one of them will probably find you. And uh, if you've got any suggestions for the show, uh, far away, and we will we'll love to hear from you about that. So if you want to download our podcasts uh, in the future, don't forget that they are available on the iTunes store, the Zoom market space. And of course you can subscribe via RSS and of course, uh, see our website for links to everything. Thanks for listening. And we'll see you on our mech roundup show in a few weeks time. <laughs>